Hi everyone, welcome to SAMA, a program which invites an expert each week to discuss a topic from their area of expertise. This week we are delighted to have Margie Bissinger to teach us how to build strong bones naturally. With age, people with osteoporosis have a higher risk of fractures or bone breaks, even while doing routine activities such as standing and walking. But with good bone health, people can continue to enjoy life to the fullest. In this episode of SAMA, Margie will describe holistic and natural methods to help improve bone health and prevent osteoporosis. Margie is a physical therapist who has worked with clients in the prevention and treatment of osteoporosis for over 20 years. She is the author of Osteoporosis and Exercise Guide, which has sold over 100,000 copies. Margie helps people achieve optimal bone and overall health through whole foods, exercise, mind-body relaxation techniques, and happiness training. Goodness knows we all need that. She's a member of the New Jersey Interagency Council on Osteoporosis and an ambassador to the National Osteoporosis Foundation. Welcome to our show, Margie. It's fantastic oh. to be with us. Oh, well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be here. What, what, what seeded your interest in bone health? Well, I sort of fell into it. I was working as a physical therapist. Work my, my, my area at the time was musculoskeletal problems, so back, neck pain, and now patient clinic. And then a group of doctors started referring their patients to me with osteoporosis. And this is wow. really way back. This is even before the medications were available. So they started sending, and I started seeing things I couldn't believe. People who were well-intentioned and they wanted to help themselves did, were really doing exercises that actually increased the risk of fractures. And I just thought, wow, this area really needs attention. And so I started getting very involved, both at the state level in New Jersey, where I live, and also nationally. And then I wrote the book on osteoporosis, and I just realized that people needed guidance because they were injuring themselves because they weren't doing exercises properly or doing the right exercises. You know, they didn't know where to turn. And so that's what started getting me involved in it. And then I went beyond and realized that besides there was more than just exercise. And I, I have a son who has diabetes and I saw what happened that food was such a major part in helping him manage his disease. And so I ended up going back to school and getting trained in nutrition and also becoming a health coach. So I added that piece to it. So that's how I sort of integrated everything into the management of osteoporosis. And that was over 20 years ago. So I've been doing this actually. <laughs> yeah. When you say over 20 years ago, to some people may see a very long time, but it doesn't too. <laughs> yeah, it's actually probably 25 years now. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, sounds, it sounds like the life forces were pushing you in that direction because there was this, there was a vacant spot just waiting for you to arrive. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. And I'm so happy now that I got involved because there's so much that can be done. And I look at osteoporosis now, you know, not as, oh no, when someone finds out, but it's a good time to reset. 
to see what's going on in your life and then make the changes. Because when you do things to improve your bones, you do things to improve your whole life. Every your whole health gets better. So it ends up being like a silver lining because uh, that, that's what I found though, that you know, it's just one gateway into a person's health. You mentioned very briefly in the, the early days <laughs> um, that there wasn't any, like, any medication for osteoporosis, which I, I didn't know there was medication for osteoporosis today. What is, what is, what, 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 are these drugs that we're talking about? Or yeah, yeah. It's in, in, at least in the United States, it's really the standard of care in terms of conventional medical approach to osteoporosis. If they find out that someone has low bone density or osteoporosis, they end up prescribing medication. So that's, that's one of the treatments. That's not we're at my area, but that's one of the treatments in this country. But the good news is that there's so much. I have found that people have done amazing figuring out the root cause of osteoporosis and also with, you know, there's just so many things that can be done so that people don't have to have the medication. Right. So you're finding the drugs aren't dealing to the root cause. What do these drugs actually do, Margie? Well, there's different types of drugs. So there's one class of drugs. Called, I'm not going to, it could be take a very long time, but basically what they do is there's something, the bones are not t dead tissue. You know, it's not like you have bones. The bone changes, it's alive. And what happens is something called bone turnover. So you lose a little bone and that's replaced by new bone. So there's cells that help get rid of old bone and there's cells that put new bone on. And that's something that happens every seven to 10 years, we get a new skeleton. And so <laughs> it, it's a good thing. So it keeps our bones nice and healthy. So right. what happens, one of the drugs called the bisphosphonates, what they do, they stop what's called the osteoclasts, which are the, which are the cells that help get rid of the old bone. And they sort of, stop their activity so you end up getting you know it looks seems like you have more bone you're not losing bone they're the bone they're the cells that destroy the bone and so however it also can affect this bone turnover which is good healthy tissue right so that yeah so then there's and then there's other bone there's other some there's other drugs now that actually suppose can build bone they work on a different mechanism so there's we can go into it there's a lot of different types of drugs that are available Right. Can we go into, please, Margie, into the biology of bones? What, what are bones? Because most people think of bones as like the framework, the scaffolding, where all the other stuff hangs off, like the organs and the, well, our, our flesh all hangs off bone. So most people think of bone as just being like, oh, it's like steel, just, just something which doesn't, that isn't alive. And you've just described it as being alive. So yes. If you can explain what bone, bone yeah. really is. Yes, yes. So the bone is alive. The bone is yeah. responsible for so many things. You know, the bone marrow with your white blood cells, your red blood cells. So, you know, it's important for the blood. Mm. <laughs> and the bone also is, uh, it's a storage area. So, for example, make sure your body has, like the calcium in your body has to be regulated. So if something's missing, the bone is like a repository where your body can take it from your bones. And so we want to make sure. So it does a lot of things, then it holds us up and it keeps us strong. And it's very, very important. <laughs> okay. So the bones, if they are like the reservoir of some important nutrients, like, well, 
um, like like calcium, <laughs> and you don't um, have an intake of calcium, but your body obviously needs it, your bones presumably will become weaker. Is that a fair? Yeah. It- Yes, it could. It could be one of the reasons why, yes, if, there's a, if, it, if your body doesn't have enough, your body can then take from your bones. Absolutely. Gosh. Okay, so now we're into the nuts and bolts, osteoporosis, which is what this talk is all about. What on earth can go wrong with such a beautifully balanced system? Well, what happens with what osteoporosis is, by definition, is porous bones. And so what they're looking at is both the quality and the density of the bones. And what happens is when that's reduced, which is osteoporosis, the bones become fragile and more likely to fracture. So they lose their interconnection, their strength. There's crosslinks in the bone and that becomes weaker with osteoporosis. So for many reasons, there can be osteoporosis in terms of, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of risk factors early on. There's, that people can have, people who are on steroids, people who, are, who smoke, people who have had bad digestion or anorexia. You know, if you haven't gotten the nutrients into your bones, that's a reason that you could be losing bone. Also with menopause, typically women will lose bone because estrogen has a protective effect. And then, and then there's many root causes, inflammation, you know, things that people don't even look at can be causing osteoporosis as well. So Lots, lots of different reasons, and there's certain medications that people are on that put them more at risk. So lots of things can happen that you lose your bone, and then it becomes you know, more fragile and likely to break. So that's, that's the problem. The problem also, though, is that it's very, very prevalent. Like people don't realize, you know, people think, oh, it's not something that happens until um, you know, I'm older. It's, and most people don't really think about it when they're younger. But the reality is what you do with your bones when you're younger is critical to where your bones are as you age. So, so for example, 85 to 90% of your bones, are, are you have them by the time in women by 18 and 20 in men. So that's where you have the majority of your adult bone mass when you're younger. And then you go, go to peak bone until you're around 25 to 30s, where you have the most bone you're gonna have in your lifetime. So these years of puberty and when are critical for having good habits to build bone. So it's sort of like a bank. You wanna make your deposits so that later on, if you need to withdraw some, you have great bone <laughs> and you're, you're full. And, and that's really a problem because most people, especially I worry about today's generation where they're more sedentary. You know, people are on the computer. They're not exercising. The diets are not great. So there's a lot of, I think, risk factors that can happen later on. So very, very important. One thing you um, said surprised me. Now, I was aware that some life habits can cause a reduction in bone density, but smoking, I knew smoking was to blame for a lot of things which aren't so nice, but bone density, that's the, that's yeah. the least thing I would have expected. How, 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 okay. it, how on earth could it affect bone density? Well, they just found that smokers have significantly reduced bone density. It puts you at risk. Isn't it remarkable? Because smoking yeah. is, well, a lot of people smoke a lot of, because it's cool. But if they, if they, if, if people could sort of 
extrapolate this, if they could look into the future and see themselves in, in 40 years, gosh, 40 years, in 40 years' time, and they can see themselves hunched over or, or weak. Wow, all of a sudden, smoking may not be so cool. That is surprising, isn't it? I wonder what the mechanism is behind that. It's quite, I guess, it'll be quite complex. But as well, any type of inflammation mm. in the body is going to yeah. affect the bones. Right. It really does. Whatever inflammation in the body can, can have a significant, because the bones can respond to inflammation. So when we're in an inflamed state, it tends to, everything doesn't work as it should. And so it ends up causing reduced bone density. And so we're not going to digest as much. You know, it's going to affect every organ in our body. And when, when everything isn't working optimally, if we're not getting all the nutrients. Also, I think smoking reduces the nutrient absorption. I think that's the big thing with the smoking, okay, is okay. that it's going to reduce the calcium. It's going to reduce the minerals that we're getting into our bones. And I think, you know, it's something called micronutrient deficiency. When we don't have these minerals, yes. that, that's a huge you know, risk factor and cause of bone loss. Right. I don't think nicotine is a, an essential nutrient. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> okay, so um, all the factors that we've been discussing until now have been physical things, but osteoporosis, is that a condition or a disease? Well, it's interesting. It's considered... I personally don't think of it as a disease. I mean, if you look it up, they'll say a disease, but I don't really consider it. I consider it a condition that occurs that we can, we can really improve and we can do things so that we don't have to lose bone and that we can even increase our bones. So to me, it's a condition, but if you look it up in textbooks or if you look it up, they'll call it a disease. <laughs> But if it's a disease, one would assume that they'd have some pathogen associated with it. They could say, well, this is microbe XYZ that's calling osteoporosis. I haven't seen no. <laughs> reports as such. Um, right. that, or it could be like an immune or genetic condition, I guess. Um, are some people more susceptible to osteoporosis if their mother or, or, or father had osteoporosis later in life? Are people more susceptible? Absolutely. If they have genetics, that's certainly one of the risk factors. If your mother had it, yes, that's, it's a, it certainly is a risk factor. And it does seem to be familiar that you, you know, genetics do play a role. Could, could it be genetics or epigenetics where it could be like an a environmental thing? If your parents had it, you were brought up in the same environment. So similar nutrients. Yeah, we don't know. They haven't really studied studied that in terms of, you know, no, they, they, haven't, they haven't studied that. But it certainly could be. There's just so many things that affect our bones that, that could have, sure. How, how common is osteoporosis? Is this is the thing. It's very common. In the world, there's 8.9 million fractures per year due to osteoporosis. So what that means is every three seconds, there's a fracture due to osteoporosis. And here's, the, here's a really horrible statistic. So in the United States, one out of two women over the age of 50 will sustain a fracture due to osteoporosis in their lifetime. And it's one out of four men. 
However, in the world, the United States is worse. In the world, it's one out of three women and one out of five men. So it's over 50 to will have a fractured due to osteoporosis. So the numbers are, are huge. And the problem is, is that when you have a fracture, if you have a hip fracture, the statistics are awful. You know, 25% of people that have a hip fracture will die within the year following that hip fracture. Another 25% won't, won't will go directly to a nursing home. So it's a big deal. And, and people, it's such a big deal that the risk of osteoporosis is great, a fracture from osteoporosis is greater than the combined risk for women of uterine, ovarian, and breast cancer. And it's greater than the risk for a man of having prostate cancer. So it's a very big deal, but yet people don't really give it the attention, I think, that it deserves because it's significant. Well, the, with, these, uh, the, with these statistics that you're mentioning, I'd say to warrant a bit of attention, one, one would think. Um, <laughs> and I wonder, it, um, it grabbed your attention so many years ago. The, um, it seems like the focus was not on prevention at that time, it would seem. Now, if I was a, well, <laughs> if someone was a teenager, okay, these are what you've mentioned just a little bit earlier with the formative years for our calcium bank. We've got to build our body up with very strong bones so that they can last during the decay years, <laughs> for want of a better word. So what can, what can a young person do? to ensure that their bones are healthy? Okay, I think there's a couple of different things. Well, number one, exercise. Exercise is absolutely essential because the bones respond to the forces placed upon them. And so if a person is not exercising, I mean, they've shown this even with people who go in space and they people who you know, don't have forces placed upon them if they're bedridden, they'll lose bone. So we want jumping. You want, you want forces on the bone. So just to be very active, you know, do yeah. jumping, do running, do activities that you're getting all sorts of different forces like hopscotch, you know, one leg, everything. You're getting forces on your bone, basketball, you know, things that are weighted that you're, so being active, I think is critical. And that's, that's huge. And, you know, not, they have found, like, for example, if someone just went swimming, that's all they did, that wouldn't be, that's not, there's not enough force in swimming to increase your bone density. So you want, you, I mean, I think swimming's great. I'm personally a swimmer, but you want to do all sorts of things that are getting force in a couple of ways. So, you know, jumping, anything that's going, it's like weight bearing forces against gravity. So through your bones against gravity. And then resistance, you know, just using resistance through your life. And I think if kids are active, that will be great. And as they get older, I think strength training is really important. And just all sorts of, you know, whatever exercise they like, it has to be, you know, they have to like it. So I think exercise, number, you know, is, is, and, and good nutrition. You know, unfortunately, so many teenagers, and as I said, those are the formative years. What you do at that age is going to affect your bones later on. So this is, and it's not really talked about. You know, it's something, I'm on this New Jersey, as you mentioned, interagency council on osteoporosis. And as a state, we're, we're working on actually educating pediatricians and, and, you know, and just the family practice medicine and, you know, different 
different practitioners to really look at people and make sure that their habits are conducive to bone, you know, stronger bones later on. So in terms of just eating a really good diet, you know, having lots of vegetables and plants and, you know, everything. You want protein, but you want your calcium and your magnesium. So I think if you're eating just a very good plant-based, you know, as well as, you know, protein in your diet and, and not junk food and not processed food, I think, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a place to start. And then, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, no, please continue. I was, I, I yeah. So I think, I think the diet's critical because, you know, as, I'm sure as you know, so many people really live on soda and junk food and they're not getting the nutrients that the bones need to really you know, be strong. And, you know, people who've had anorexia have, are a significant you know, risk for osteoporosis later on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then the third thing, which I really believe in, and this is not something that people talk about much at all, is stress. And we live in such a stressful society, and kids today are so stressed. And it's not that we can always get rid of our stress, but we need to learn how we can handle it and techniques so that, so that it doesn't you know, throw us over. And the reason that that's important is because stress and your body's stress hormone is cortisol and that actually has been shown to reduce the bone building cells so so often people will come in and they they're you know what they want to know exactly what exercises to do what should i eat but they don't realize that all this stress really is negative has negative effects on their bones so i think that that's the other piece and i think that's just important in life as well that people need to learn you know when you can learn these techniques when you're young, your life just becomes so much better. I'd hazard a guess that perhaps 85, 90% of the people that we're watching this video, we're living in a city. Mm-hmm. And a good proportion of those people will be living in an apartment mm-hmm. and they won't be able to go out and do this, this go out for a run in the park or somewhere, it's so much harder. Um, it's, um, what, can, what can you do if you're living in a city environment which is inherently very unhealthy? Well, you can do so much. You can do jumping jacks. You, I mean, there's so many things you can do. I'm also a very big fan of Qigong. You know, first of all, I think you have to love your exercise. Well, I really do. If you don't love it, you you don't continue, do you? You don't continue. And I'm a big, I also teach happiness. And I'm a big believer that you want these happiness chemicals. You know, you want, you want to, you don't, you don't want to be, oh, I'm just doing this. I have to do it for my bones. I hate this. There's no reason. You can find exercises that you love. But sure, if you're in this, you just take a little area and you can do videos if you want. You can have some weights. You can do squats. You can do one leg stands. You can do a million things. You can do, as I said, jumping jacks. You can do jumps. You can, you know, again, every level, depending upon the state of a person's bones, if someone has significant osteoporosis, we might modify some things. But in general, the, there's no limit to what you can do. You can walk up and down the stairs in your apartment also. You know, so I think, I think that there's absolutely (laughs) no excuse. I live, I live in New Jersey, but 
all of my kids live in New York City, and there's just oh. no excuse. There's so much you can do, even if you're in a small area. So I think that um, regardless of where anyone is, there's so many different resources to find you know, good exercises. And, or just put music on. Put music on and dance. <laughs> you know, I think dance, not that, again, if someone, you know, a good exercise program is you want some weight bearing and you want aerobics, right. you know, but also twice a week, I would say that twice a week to do specific strength training exercises if you can. And, and you know, you want to make sure that you're getting the areas that are most prone to osteoporosis, which would be the spine, the hip, and the wrist. And so what I see typically is people do a lot of things you know, on their arms, their legs, but they don't do a lot on their back, you know, and the back strengthening. So doing things like you're on your stomach, lifting up, you know, really working the back muscles are so very important. But it doesn't matter. Even if you have a little bit of space, you can do a lot. <laughs> And you mentioned at the start of the program that some people were doing exercises incorrectly. Yes. So not all things. exercises is good. No, no. And that's what I was seeing. So a couple things. Well, yes. first of all, I think it's critical to do things in good posture. And that's another problem in today's day and age. Because of the cell phone, I, what's called text neck, this is what I see all the time, that people oh, are, yeah. you know, they have their heads bent forward half the day, their shoulders are rounded, and they're showing the spines of young children are actually changing the curve. So the actual you know, shape of the vertebrae is changing because they're texting so much. And so this position is a horrible, horrible position for everything. Right. You know, it can cause, it causes impingement in the shoulder. It causes headaches. And when you're rounding out your back, it causes problems as well. So one thing is the posture, but the big thing with osteoporosis, if you have osteoporosis, you do not want to do any rounding exercises or, or they're called flexion. So forward bending where, where people are rounded. And the reason is, is that the fractures are on the front of the vertebrae, the front of the spine. And so that when you bend forward, all the forces are on the front of the spine. Right. And so it puts excess force and fulcrums in an area that's already weakened. Yes. So there was a study done many years ago at the Mayo Clinic, and they, it was a small study, but they looked at people doing different exercises, and they looked at people who were doing only forward bending versus people doing extension, backward bending. And they found, they looked at fractures over a six-year period of time, and they found that the people who were only doing forward bending had an 89% fracture rate versus people doing backward bending had a 16% fracture rate. Can you imagine? So that study will never be repeated, but that's something that people need to know if they have osteoporosis. And it's not that you can't, it's not that you can't do exercises, but you don't, you don't round your spine. You bend from the hips like you would do in a squat and keep your, keep your normal curve. Does that make sense? So yes. you don't want to do anything with rounding. And so that's, that's one of the big precautions. But then people say, well, what about yoga and Pilates and all these great things? I'm a huge believer <laughs> in yoga and Pilates, but you just have to do the modifications. You know, you just have to modify. Um, and then the other precautions would be extremes of motion. So like a complete rotation or side bending. So you don't want to go to the extremes because that's too much torsion 
if you do have osteoporosis. So I would say, you know, you back off like 20%. And if you're in a class that's doing yoga or Pilates, you know, you let the, well, hopefully the instructor has some experience with osteoporosis, but you just don't want to do, you don't want anyone to ever give you overpressure or you don't want to do anything that causes, you know, those extremes of movement. Okay. Let's say I'll, I'll, I'll throw this question to you. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good one. This person's being diagnosed with osteoporosis. If they eat the right foods, they do stretching exercises, forwards and back. They do um, impact exercises. With those things, can osteoporosis can be reversed? Okay, it depends on many things. Yes. Um, yes, they have shown that you can improve you know, the key is, are you going to go back to where you were, you know, when you were 30? Right. That's, you know, um, but the thing is, yes, they've shown you can improve with exercise. But you also, what I think found is really important, what is the root cause of the osteoporosis? Okay. Are you deficient? Are you, you know, are you not getting enough magnesium? Mm -hmm. Is there a deficiency in vitamin D? You know, do you have some kind of micronutrient deficiency? Is there something missing that you're not getting in your diet? So that's, you, know, you need to look, I think micronutrients are really important. I think also what is causing inflammation? You know, it, is there something in your body that's causing overall inflammation, which can be affecting your bones? Also in terms of digestion, and I see this all the time, you know, so many people have digestive issues, they don't realize, so it's not just eating the food, it's are you absorbing the nutrients from the food that you eat? And it's sort of like, you know, you're you have a hose and you're watering your plants. Well, if someone steps on the hose, you're not going to get the water. So if that's in your body, if there's a kink in your digestive system and you're not getting the nutrients into the bones, that's going to be a big problem. So I think you need to address these root causes and figure out what's going on. And sometimes there's other causes that your parathyroid isn't working properly. You know, there could be other causes why you might be losing bone, but or your thyroid, you know, or your medication. So there's different things. So I think you need to work with someone and figure out the root cause. And sometimes, you know, so I think if you figure out the root cause, I think the exercise is very important and the eating and, and just sometimes people have issues with their hormones. So I think the comprehensive point is you figure out what may be causing the bone and do these things. Yes. And I've seen great results when people improve their eating and do the exercises that people have at least maintained bone and if not increased it. So I've, I've seen great results and I, I find that really, really encouraging that there's so much that can be done. And, and also with the stress, like that's a huge part. What I do with people is, you know, really work on stress reduction, but also, as I said, I teach happiness. And they've done studies, believe it or not, showing that life satisfaction and happiness is correlated with increased bone density. So it sort of <laughs> all goes together. <laughs> well, it could be that you're more happy because your bones are more dense. But you don't know. The thing is, you have no idea. You know, that's the thing with osteoporosis. It's silent. You have absolutely no idea what's going on. It's not as though it hurts or that you get any warning signs until usually until there's a fracture and then and then or if you got a bone density test but it's different it's not like other things you know i think that's sort of one of the hard things 
that when I'm dealing with people with osteoporosis, it's not like when you work with someone with digestion, you know immediately if they get better. You mm -hmm. don't really know if you leave osteoporosis improving until they get another bone density test, if that makes sense. Well, this you know, kind of, it's kind of scary because you can live too close to a ripe old age, and then all of a sudden, wham, you, you, a, a breakage reveals that your bones are like, have got the strength of paper. And and you don't you know that could be that could be um, catastrophic. You, you you if you've lived a healthy life, but you've suddenly found that your bones are low density. Well, usually though, most people, it's interesting because here in the United States, they say by sixty five, you know, you should get tested. I really think any woman, you know, postmenopausal, or if you have risk factors, you know, if you have a family history, or if you've broken bones throughout your life, that's a huge risk factor risk factor yeah. is if you've had other fractures but you know people are tested and so that they can see what's going on in terms of you know they're tested earlier than they get a fracture so at least once you find out there's yeah. a lot you can do but i really believe if people just do the right things for their bones which is good for their bodies anyway mm. they'll that we can really you know prevent osteoporosis and especially mm -hmm. if we start younger so what you're saying is there's no need to fight a fire if there's no fire there. If you, if you eat proper foods and do exercising, there doesn't need to be the... Um, and really build up while you're, when you're younger. I, I really, I think so. I, I do believe that. I mean, well, time will tell. And I don't think this generation has really been, you know, super active and eating great. So, <laughs> you know, we'll have to see. But... I think that there's, there's a lot of hope for this. And I think that there's, you know, again, I think the root cause is important. And I think, I think digestive issues are a big deal too, because what I see with the younger population is people just accept the fact that they're bloated or they, they're constipated or they have gas as though that's normal, <laughs> but, but that shouldn't be normal. There's a, you know, that that's not normal and that needs to be addressed <laughs> right absolutely and with the um the um most people being to some degree um sensitive to wheat and wheat products and the um the health supplement they add to the wheat which is glyphosate then um it's just exaggerating the problem it's it's just making it so much worse <laughs> You know, it's very interesting because I also have a podcast and it's called Happy Bones, Happy Life. And one of the guests that I'm going to have on is going to talk about glyphosate. And some of the research shows that the glyphosate reduces manganese and that's very important for the bones. And to me, right, glyphosate, there's just, is a huge, huge, huge problem with everything. But I think also it ha it's, a, it's a big problem for the bones. and. And I think that it's something that we need to, um, you know, definitely, definitely deal with. And I mean, I think that's responsible for a lot of, a lot of health problems, but absolutely with, with, with the bones. And the interesting thing, what I've seen in my practice that you talk about, you know, wheat is that there are people who have issues with gluten mm. and, and once they stopped gluten, it was interesting. So I'm thinking of one woman in particular. She had been on medication, actually. This was before I saw her. For she told me the story. She'd been on medication for osteoporosis and didn't help, didn't help. And then one of her friends was going gluten-free. And she also had arthritis. Not that she was like early 50s. 
And so one of her friends was going gluten-free. She said, no, what the heck? And so when she went gluten-free, all of a sudden, you know, like her, she didn't have any pain in her joints. Her arthritis completely went away. And then the next time she did her bone density, her bone density significantly increased. So I've seen a couple people like that. I think gluten's a big issue. They know gluten's an issue. They know celiac disease. You know, anyone with celiac, that's a huge risk for osteoporosis. But what's interesting is, and, and it's improving, but people really are only tested for celiac. But there's the majority of people don't have celiac, and they may have other issues with gluten that's not celiac. So I think it's important for people to be tested for the gluten because that does have a big, there, you know, we've been seeing that there's a big issue and it can contribute to bone loss. So, you know, that's, again, it's more inflammation as well. Historically, people have said, well, if you want strong bones, you've got to drink more milk. Is that true? No. <laughs> you know, in the cultures that drink the most milk, they have the highest incidence of osteoporosis. Oh. So, so that milk is not the panacea. And there have been, you know, there's all sorts of issues with milk. Certain people have problems with the casein in milk or, mm. you know, or the lactose. And so they definitely can't have milk. And also milk has so many hormones in it, especially if you know, you're drinking non-organic that that can affect you as well. So so the thing with milk is, you know, more is not better. That's certainly not where I'd get my calcium from, the milk. And, you know, again, a lot of people have have issues with dairy. So I I prefer getting it from leafy green vegetables. That's like a great place to get calcium. You know, there's there's other there's other places, but no, milk milk is not the the end all be all for Okay. <laughs> You've mentioned, um, okay, uh, leafy green vegetables. What else is high in calcium if you want you know, to? Any, yeah, any fish with bones. So like sardines are really high in calcium. And then wild-caught salmon has calcium. Some of the nuts have calcium. You know, um, the nuts such as almonds have calcium in them. So there's, I'm trying to think, yeah. There's, there's, there's lots of things that, that you can get calcium, calcium from. Now, one thing that really intrigues me, Marty, you teach an online course, Happy Bones, Happy Life. Uh, it's really sort of two questions I'd like to ask. First of all, how, what, why is happiness so important? And how can that reflect on the health of our bones? Yes. Well, that's the interesting thing. I mean, I have found in my career, because way back, so when I first started practicing as a physical therapist, I, I had gone through a bad situation and, and my patients were saying to me, oh, you're so happy. What do you do? And I thought if they only knew what I'd gone through, they wouldn't think I was so happy. Yeah. But the truth was that I really was happy. And I realized at that moment that happiness is not something that's based on your external circumstances. Happiness is an internal job. It's within. And, and when I learned that, I started, and I was working with chronic pain patients, you know, back pain, neck pain. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to just start teaching some of the habits. Now I call them happiness habits. But at the time, some of the things that helped me get through my situation to my patients and see what happens. And it was miraculous where neck pain, back pain started getting better much quicker than it had before. And you started seeing, because these people were really miserable. They were so unhappy. And you started seeing joy return. So early on, now that was around 
35 years ago. And I've been doing this now with every person I work with. Everybody gets happiness training because I saw how powerful it is. So the reason is, I mean, they've done studies. Happier people live nine years longer. You know, happier people, the immune system, they, the, the, you know, there's huge reduction in their colds. And, well, there's, there's new, I can go on and on. But with the bones, they've actually <laughs> done studies, you know, with the bones showing that life satisfaction and happiness is correlated with increased bone density. They've even did a study recently about people's social, you know, like social stresses that people who had reduced social stresses had increased bone density. So, you know, even if you were stressed with your social situation, that would reduce your bone density. So it's, I think it just affects every aspect. And the cortisol, the stress hormone, obviously when you're happier, you're not going to be as stressed out. And the cortisol, you know, can reduce the osteoblasts, which are the bone building cells. So there's a true reason that this is happening. But I've just found that it's amazing. It's amazing how happiness affects every part of your life and your health. And I can't, it's really been, I also teach a complete happiness course too. So I teach the bones course. <laughs> oh, they really complete, but yeah. <laughs> and I teach a course that has nothing to do with bones, just ha ha like teaching people how they can increase their base level of happiness because you can, that's the best news. And once you do, it's really incredible all the health benefits that occur. What do you, what do you think is the most, the, the most important advice you can give someone that's carrying the burden of gloom? They haven't got Okay. Yes. I think the best thing to do is, I mean, there's many things that we can do. But if someone's carrying, as you say, the burden of gloom, <laughs> you can restart rewiring your brain for positivity because we are wired for negativity. You know, that's, and, and I think that stems from way back in the caveman days. We had to be more aware if there was a tiger lurking, at, you know, we had to be running to run from a tiger than if someone said something nice to us because they're real, there were real dangers back then. Right. Different today, but that's how we're wired. So think about it. If you get 20 compliments and one person says something that's not very nice, what do you take in and what do you absorb? You know, you dwell, people dwell on the negative. And that's how most people are. So it's sort of like the negative sticks to you and the positives just, you know, you just let them go. So the first step, I think, is working on your thoughts because your thoughts create your reality. And if you wake up in the morning, this is awful, that's awful, my shoulder hurts, oh my God, my bones, this is just terrible, <laughs> that's gonna be the environment that you're in. <laughs> but oh. people do that. I'm, telling, I'm sure people are listening saying, yep, that's me. <laughs> oh, but you can change that, that's the beauty. So the first step one with this gloom is that to sort of look at what good exists, you know, like, well, what is working or what good exists? And during your day, be a detective and see and start looking for the good because what you focus on grows. And so if you focus on what's working and things that are good, guess what? You get more of them. And just to take this even a little deeper, what I like to do is, so you're a detective, you look for the good. And then, and when something, and then when something happens, that's good. So let's say someone gives you a compliment, you know, they say to you, you know, I love your podcast. Instead of like, oh, it's nothing. So, you know, 
you absorb it, take it in for like 20 seconds. You know, I work really hard on this. Thank you so much. I so appreciate that. You know, you absorb it or you see a sunset, take it in. Don't just let it go. And then the last thing is that, and then when you do have these negative thoughts and it's not to push away negative thoughts and it's not to live like a Pollyanna that everything's wonderful. That's not this at all, but it's just to start really appreciating the positives. And so, oh, when you have the negative thought, then, then counteract it with three positive but true things as well. So that's the first way. Just I would start with your thoughts. And I think it's, it's amazing how much that can start making you feel better. And it just, you know, you just start gradually doing things. But I think the negative thoughts are just so detrimental. And they just, and that's what I was seeing with the patients too. When I was working that, you know, if you're sitting there, oh, my back pain, oh, this, you know, it just, it just magnifies it versus, you know, I walked better today or whatever it be, even it's small wins, the more you start celebrating them and focusing on what's working, the more things will start working. <laughs> Do you ever recommend someone to change their environment? Because sure. sometimes it, they might be in a bad, bad um, living in the space, they're, they're, they're with people they don't enjoy being around that is such a good question because it's contagious absolutely it's contagious you know someone's negativity is you know and sometimes and also we have a field around us you can walk into room and you can feel it oh, absolutely. And, you, and you really want and it, it affects tremendously who you're around so it's very important that's a that's actually a whole class we talk about relationships in who you're, who you're surrounding yourself with. And sometimes you have to evaluate, you know, your surroundings. And I mean, sometimes you can change them, which is great if you realize, you know, how it's making you feel. And I think sometimes just to stop and see how does it make you feel, you know, being around. And then, but sometimes you can't, it could be a relative or something else. And then where you need to do boundaries. But I think that's a great point you brought up because, Sure, you know, you're like, a, they say the five people that surround you, that's really going to affect you. And so, yes, absolutely, to really look at your environment and yeah. see how it's making you feel. Yeah, good point. It's, it's interesting how even, you know, stress, environment, even something non, well, again, it is kind of physical, but it's technically not physical, can have an effect on bones, which is very, you know, a structural component of your body and so important. I think stress has an effect on everything. Mm. I just think it's a robber of happiness. It's a robber, you know, it affects your immune system. I mean, most people get sick after they've been under stress yes. because it really yeah. reduces, you, you know, you, and also it's like it pulls the trigger. You know, you may have genetic predisposition for certain things, Yes. But then if you're under tremendous stress, that, that's going to, you know, pull the trigger. So then things all of a sudden, you start experiencing them. So stress is huge. And the thing about stress is that it's not that, you know, people's lives are stressful. Life can be stressful. And that's, you know, there's nothing we can do about that. We all have situations in our life. But it's resilience that's the key. It's what, how resilient are you? Where the two, you know, just think about traffic. Two people are in the same traffic. One person's ready to pull their hair out and just destroy themselves. 
and the other person is like, you know, <laughs> using it to think of to think about something else that they're doing, or you know, they're. So it's not really the situation. I think part of that is taking care of yourself. If you build up yourself so that you, you know, you do habits that you're not stressed out or that when these things happen, you, you, you have the resilience. You can, you know, if the wave's not going to take you over, you can bounce back. And I see, I mean, I spend a lot of time with people I work with on this because I really do believe it's a big component. I think most of the people I see, the majority, I would say nine, at least 90% have high stress levels. And so, I mean, I guess that's also in the world today, you know, but, but the good news is there's things that can, you can do to really completely change this. And, and I knew, I mean, I shouldn't, when I was, so I decided to take, this is years ago, I decided that to take, there was a class near me, mindfulness meditation. It was the John Kabat-Zinn class. And it was eight weeks. And it was, I just said, you know what, I'm going to take this. And on the second, the first day we didn't do anything. The second day of class, I got a speeding ticket on the way to meditation. Can you imagine? Mm -hmm. And so that hit me in the head that I wasn't practicing what I was preaching and teaching everyone. So at that point, and that was around 10 years ago, I took this so seriously, <laughs> made it such a priority in my life. And it's worked. It really works. As long a speeding ticket on the way to slow down and meditate. Yeah. But it was good. It was a good thing because sometimes you get the messages you need to get. And it was important, right? But it was good for me because I took it so seriously. And since that time, like to me, my daily practices are non-negotiable. Like they're just part of, same with my exercise. You know, it's just something I do and I know I feel so much better. And I've changed my stress level so much. It's, it's amazing. You and now using examples of uh, two people waiting at the traffic lights. One is very stressed out, and the other one's very relaxed. You'll, you'll always find the person who's stressed out is behind the person that's relaxed. Because <laughs> 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 they haven't moved on. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'd like to um, focus at the end of our summer here. And Carmela, I hope you've got a note from your mum saying why you're late. Um, I want to focus on solutions. Now, someone has um, got osteoporosis. They're thinking, gosh, there's nothing I can do. Well, what can they do? What are the emergency things they can do? The things that will see rapid changes. What things can they do to, to see the slower changes? Are we going to summarize? Possibly? Sure. Okay. So there's no such thing as rapid changes. Okay. Yeah. So there's nothing you can do to see okay. you know, really rapid changes because, right. you know, bone, it, it just doesn't happen right away. Okay. But people have seen improvements, you know, even in a year. So it's not like, you know, a digestive issue where, oh, you know what? Two weeks later, you feel much better. <laughs> but I think starting the exercise program, you know, right. and I'm, I'm a very big believer. If someone has, you, if you have the ability to see a physical therapist or someone, you know, that would be my absolutely first choice. Okay. Physical therapist who, if someone has osteoporosis, who really can make sure your posture is right, make sure you're doing yes. all the right exercises or an exercise instructor that's had training in osteoporosis. So you want to work with someone that knows what they're doing. Okay. But I think, but I think, you know, getting more active, doing, you know, both strength training twice a week and doing also, you know, weight bearing exercises as well as balance, you know, balance is huge because as we get older, if we don't use it, we lose it. So the exercise is critical. I think really, you know, making sure that you have a good, healthy diet and that I could spend eight hours talking about, but just briefly, 
Um, if not, you know, supplements, but I think, I think very, can I just say one thing? I don't want to go over the time, but the <laughs> calcium, what I see is there's too much, people are getting too much calcium. Really? Because, yeah, because they're getting calcium in their diet. And then oftentimes the doctors are also telling them, you know, take 1200 milligrams of calcium. So, you know, they're getting too much. I see wow. that they're taking supplements and they're also having it in their diet. So in terms of calcium, more is not better. So make sure that the most you get is 1200 from combined, you know, right. supplements and food. And I, I personally prefer food, but, you know, so make sure. And then besides the calcium, mag, there's a lot of different things, but magnesium is critical. And yes. also vi vitamin K2 is very, very important. Okay. And so I think in terms of, but I think, you know, getting those vegetables and really eating healthy diet. You want enough protein, you know, protein is important. So you want to make sure that you have protein in your diet and, right. you know, vitamin C is important. So there's, you know, but a, a good healthy diet and get rid of, here's fast things, the sugar, sugar reduces the absorption of calcium and magnesium. Wow. It's just, really? yeah, it's the worst, right? So you want to get rid of, Get rid of the sugar and the processed food right away. And then, and then just start. You can start with deep breathing. You know, start one thing for the – but, you know, again, I would work with a physician and be evaluated also for your bones. It's not as though – or, or whatever, whoever your healthcare practitioner is. I'd make sure that you get a bone density test. And if you have risk factors, you know, get evaluated for sure. And then, you know, with your posture, <laughs> there's things that you can do as well. You want to make sure – that not to be sitting rounded in, in terms of your posture. Right. So, so, you know, that's, I mean, there's so many things, but in a nutshell, to get started, I would say just to make the exercise and, and the good nutrition. And you will see results. Do you have some people that follow all your guidelines but don't see improvements? You know, truly, I'm trying to, I mean, pretty much most people that I've been working with, you know, again, we have, there are people that have to figure out the root cause. So yeah. we, and, you know, sometimes there've been people that have had an issue with their parathyroid or different other things. We need to also, you know, that's why I, I work with practitioners to also figure out or heavy metals, you know, they have mercury toxicity. There's many things. So you need to get to the root cause, but yes, yeah. I've had great results that people have been able to at least maintain. And like, then they, you know, as, as long as they're doing doing, doing everything. Yeah. That's been, that's why to me it's exciting because, and that's why I try to get the word out because you can improve. There's so much you can do. And I don't think people realize that, you know, I really don't. Carmela Walker's um, passed the comment that um, she uses boron, boron in small mm -hmm. amounts with people. Now she's mentioning the bone pain lessons within three days, but does Boron help with osteoporosis. Yeah, boron's very necessary. Yes, that's excellent. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a that's an important nutrient. How can what foods have got boron naturally as part of it? That's interesting because most people take boron supplement. Hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah, I'm trying to think what what has boron in it. That's a good question. Hold 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 on that one. <laughs> yeah, hold that one. <laughs> We don't expect you to have all the answers. That's, it's so to <laughs> talk with, and you've got a, a truly holistic point of view because you, you don't just focus on bones and the, and the chemical, the um, constituents of the bone and the, and the functions of the bone. 
but you're talking about the body as well. You've, we've, we've touched on meditation, the, the role of happiness and the role of the hormone balance in our body. And I really, yeah. I really, I really love that, how um, you've taken several steps back and you look at the, you look at the larger picture and you find the root cause of the problem. And I see that though. I have to tell you, you know, maybe being a physical therapist and working on muscle for so many years is that the mind is, is not separate from the body. And there have been numerous people who maybe even something as simple as forgiveness, you know, they've been holding on to something their whole life and haven't forgiven people. And yeah. once they do that, all of a sudden their muscles get better. You know, this is what I saw for years, just working with chronic pain that all these concepts, but I believe they affect the bones, you know, everything as well. So that's, so I, that's been my approach to treating everything for, as I said, it's been, there, I really been 35 years that I've been teaching happiness, <laughs> long, long time to patients. <laughs> Margie Bissinger, expert on happiness and bones. And <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to our show, Margie. It's been, it's been a real blessing for us to have you on. It's, um, I, I love your attitude to health. I love the way that you approach things. And I love, I love your positive energy that, that just breaks from you. You're, you're, you're full of bubbles. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> well it's been I, I really know, fun. Yeah. I normally ask the experts to, uh, to finish on a positive note, but really I can't think of any negatives. You've, you've, you've filled the whole summer with solutions. So um, osteoporosis isn't a sentence as such, as it's a condition that can be resolved with the right mental attitude, the right, um, doing, doing the right things for your body. It's been fantastic having you on, Margie. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed being here with you as well. So thank you for having me. Well, this concludes our summer for this week. Take care of your body. Keep on passing the love forwards, even to those who you don't love. <laughs> and believe you me, I find it just as hard as you do, but I just try my best, okay? Goodbye, everybody. Take care.